Welcome to the perfume room. Happy to have you here. My scent of the day today is completely inspired by the episode you are about to hear. I am wearing none other than Glossier U. This is a scent that comes up often on this podcast, and it's one that I feel really paved the way for so many of these sort of trendy, irisy, pink peppery skin scents that are popping up left and right. You'll hear all about the origin stories of this fragrance in this episode, but let me tell you how I always describe it, just in case you are unfamiliar. I feel like Glossier U smells like the chicest hangover of your life. Yes, I said what I said. I did say hangover, but I want you to understand I don't use that term lightly. When I say hangover, I'm not talking about the kind where your friend is politely or impolitely like, Emma, please shower, Eureka of tequila. This is, of course, not at all inspired by true events. I mean like chic, okay? It's boozy, but it's bougie. It kind of smells, and maybe you can relate to this, like your coworker who downplays how cool they are in the office, but it's so obvious, right? Like maybe you both show up for a 9 a.m. meeting, but the night prior, you cooked dinner and went to sleep at a reasonable hour. They, however, probably had a table at the most exclusive club, only drank top shelf liquor, parted with celebrities, might not have spent the night in their own bed, and only you know because you are their close friend and maybe they shared that with you. To everyone else, they look perfectly quaffed, presentable, showered, etc., However, there is a faint whisper of a little debauchery and booze, but again, in this elevated way. Maybe they're wearing a perfectly ironed shirt, but just one button is undone. It's effortlessly cool, not trying to please anyone, just a tad unapproachable, and yet somehow still incredibly familiar and likable. That is what Glossier U smells like to me, which is why I love to wear it to role play to be anyone cooler than myself. But again, enough about my thoughts, because in this episode, you are going to hear from actual industry insiders about the creation and inspiration behind this iconic scent. I will say this episode is a little bit longer than our typical episodes, but I promise you, you will be left wanting more. It is so rare to get an inside look at a big fragrance house, which is why I am so lucky and honored to be joined by today's guests. We have Furminish perfumer Alexi Crujon, who has created hit scents like Polo Sport Fresh, as well as the 2021 Fragrance Foundation Popular Fragrance of the Year, Ariana Grande REM, as well as Furminish Evaluator, also known as a Fragrance Development Manager, Seglin Dewey, who was most recently one of the Fragrance Foundation Class of 2022 Notables. You'll learn about what each of them do, how they work together and apart, their backgrounds and the educations that led them to exactly where they are today, their favorite kind of projects to work on, and we get a special intimate look at seven of Furminish's most iconic creations over the last 30 years, including the personal stories, social context, and processes of how they were created, which of course includes the story of Glossier U. Here are Alexi and Seglin. Welcome to the Perfume Room, Seglin and Alexi. I'm so happy to have you guys both here. We are currently sitting in a conference room in the Furminish offices. We sure are. <laughs> <laughs> How are you guys doing today? Great. I feel Exciting. good. Yeah, I got a lot of energy. I'm excited to, to do know. this thing. This is so fun. Um, Seglin and I have been talking about doing this for months, and it's so exciting to finally have it happen. So for everybody listening, as you know, Alexi is a perfumer and Seglin is a 
fragrance development manager. And we've talked about both of these roles in previous episodes of the podcast, but I thought what better way to actually learn about what each role really does than to have them as guests on the pod. So I would love to hear from both of you what your roles are separately and in relationship to each other. Alexi, you take it away. All right. So um, um, I'm perfumer and one of my responsibilities is uh, to create first. You know, that's the, the main core of the of the job. Um, but there's more to that. It's also just to always discover new raw materials or just get inspired and like work on this project and have the my creation fit it for the brand, for um, the market, the consumer. And also for me, you know, I think it's very important that like, you know, you need to be proud of this fragrance and uh, constantly like create new things. So for me as a fragrance development manager, which I'm sure we will kind of start using our own lingo, which is FDM. So mm-hmm. if you hear that multiple times, it's just is <laughs> fragrance development manager, Okay. also known as evaluator too. So for me, it's a little bit different than the perfumer. So I'm not creating the actual formula, right? That's all on the perfumer end. But I am there smelling with them. I'm guiding. I'm developing and really working hand in hand with a perfumer to have them find the winning fragrance. And I also have, you know, I work with a lot of different teams. So I'm working with marketing at the same time, consumer insights with testing data, for example, the client hand in hand as well as our account manager. So really touching all the different parties that it takes to make a winning fragrance happen. Amazing. So what's that process? Let's say a brief comes in. When do you each get involved and how does that work? So usually it starts with the developer. We get the brief to start with. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the perfumers are brought in as well for the kind of kickoff. Hey, we have a new brief. We're really excited. Let's get everybody in in the table, you know. Mm -hmm. So, but typically it's the developer first. We get... It could be a very, very vague brief from the client or it can be something super specific. Like, mm-hmm. let's say, I know I want a beachy fragrance and mm-hmm. I know I want it to smell like this. I want it to have these call-out ingredients. Or it could be just, hey, we want to make the new successful fragrance for women. What does that mean? Easy. Where, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. We want a top seller. Give right. It to us. right. So we, you know, we start to dissect you know, layer by layer, what does that mean? Who is it for? What mm-hmm. age range? Where is it going to be sold? And then afterwards, I start, you know, ideating, thinking, okay, what do I picture that as being in terms of a fragrance? And then from there, I start briefing the perfumer specifically of saying, hey, I love your signature that you've done in this fragrance from your collection, like that we haven't touched yet. Let's work on that and add a completely different unexpected note for this brief because I think it'll work for XYZ reason for the client. I have a question about that. When you say signature from your collection, so do all perfumers have collections what what we all have like jewels that we had in the in the the drawer and Uh then you know the thing is like perfumers uh every day because we have brief coming every day almost you know so we always need to bring a new idea on the table Mm -hmm. and uh, if you want this idea to be successful you need to be different the thing Mm -hmm. is like as perfumers we cannot uh, create uh, five new amazing ideas every day you know it's just like not possible Mm -hmm. um so we have like a collection, what we call a collection of new ideas or fragrances or, you know. Um, that are not brief specific. But not brief specific. Right. You're okay. just like, you know, I don't know. I went to the beach. Um, I saw this flower on the beach. I'm like, okay, I'm going to create this uh, smell. And then maybe in five years, I'm going to have a use for it. You mm-hmm. know? Um, so, so that's that. And then we have it fit for the project. Or um, sometimes also, you know, the project, you just... I don't know, you have a mood board, you have pictures, you have something and you just get inspired and you just create something out of like a white page, you know, and just create mm-hmm. something new. 
Um, I mean, I say white page. We don't actually work on paper. We work on the computer. <laughs> you know, sorry, it's not sexy, but you know, that's that's our life. I know what you mean. I know <laughs> a blank canvas. Uh, yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, what really important isn't really important. You know, it's um, I think Sigolene, uh, like as an FDM, she's really the link between like the client and us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what's really important in the job, you know, is really to deep dive when she like get to brief. Uh, she needs to deep dive on. What's what's the brief? What's the concept? What's the brand? What's the 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 target? Um, what's the age target? What's you know where it's gonna be sold? Like uh, in US, in France, uh, in China, wherever. So you need to be specific, you know. And then she comes into us and she she kind of like tell the story, you know. And mm-hmm. then we we get inspired. We talk about new ideas, things that we already worked on, you know, as a like. Um, jewels or like pepite as we say in French you know but we just keep polishing and then one mm-hmm. day it's gonna be somewhere mm-hmm. um so then we start working on that and um what's really important you know it's also the vocabulary that we use because it's very specific mm-hmm. the the client may say as you um say you know like I want a happy fragrance I want a joyful fragrance and we're like Oh shit! Like, what does this mean? You know, <laughs> right, in yeah, fragrance, yeah. you know. So then, you know, that's that's the discussion we have when mm-hmm. we when we have a new uh, a new brief, um, and then I say, okay, for me, you know, for this type of project, I think happy is a pear, or happy is a jasmine, or, and then we start like creating like that. Right, and then um, I might say, well, or could it be a peach and a pear? You know, and mm-hmm. then we kind of we bounce ideas off of each other. That's yeah. really, I mean, the best part that's my favorite part of the job is that collaboration aspect, right? Yeah. Inspiring each other back and forth. You have these brainstorm sessions every time you do a round of fragrances and mm-hmm. modifications on a specific type of theme, fragrance theme. Mm-hmm. So Seglin, I'm interested, you were saying, you know, you sort of interpret the brief before you go to the perfumer. When you approach perfumers, do you have notes in mind? Like you were saying, peach and pear, like they want happy this, this, this. I'm thinking this, this, this. How far along are you before you go to a perfumer? I try to be really buttoned up. I mean, the perfumers are so busy because they work on all the clients, right? Mm -hmm. So usually as an FDM, you are client specific or a specific market, for Mm -hmm. example, of an expertise. So I really try to do all of that upfront brainstorming as much as I can so that when I come to them, it's very buttoned up. Here's what I'm thinking, but there's still opportunity to hear what they have to say and for us to brainstorm and collaborate and ideate a little bit more. So Mm -hmm. I don't want it to be so rigid where, you know, I'm like, it has to be this, Mm -hmm. but it still has to be some guidance as well. And just on a personal note, what sort of briefs do you guys get more excited about? Those sort of open-ended abstract ones or when a client is like, we're looking for the next musky jasmine it depends i think it really depends you know it depends of uh i think you know as creators like it really our emotions can be very involved you know so for example if if i'm in the mood for musk and jasmine you know and i'm just gonna be very excited about that or sometimes i'm like oh, you know what i've done like a hundred thousand of like musk and jasmine i don't want to do one more right so you know that that really depends and um Sometimes you just like this like very open brief and you're like, okay, I can just like live freely and do whatever I want, you know, mm-hmm. because it is true that sometimes, you know, say um, as an FDM, she comes to us and she say, okay, like I want a pear and a peach. And mm-hmm. you're like, all right, I want you to do a raspberry, but I guess I have to do a pear <laughs> and a peach, you know. <laughs> so is there, but, is there room to debate that? Yeah, yes. yeah absolutely. So I think we probably part, end up doing both, you know. Yeah, exactly. One, one big thing, you know, um, it's obviously with partners and mm-hmm. we share – 
I mean, it's we're in a business, all right. So we need this like business discussion, but also we need this uh, this fun, you know, and the emotions. And if I say, you know what, I'm tired of peach and pear, like let's do a raspberry. She might say, all right, let's. How how can we move that and fit for the project? And then because she sees that emotively, like I'm linked to the raspberry, and like I really believe in the raspberry. It sounds very personal and specific, and I think <laughs> exactly. something happened. Yeah, no, <laughs> nothing happened. There's nothing. What's happened. the raspberry fragrance in question? <laughs> you know, I think it's really this, um, like it's real partnership, and we need to to work that. But also we. It's also like some kind of a friendship, you know, yeah. like it's 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 more than just a business. And because we are creators, so like our emotion involved, um, Seg is also somehow a creator because she brings ideas and like she is really in the core of the development. So mm -hmm. like she can have a lot of pressure, a lot of emotions off of it, you know, so we need to um, juggle with that, I would say. And one big thing is like, as you say, like, we are very busy. Sometimes we just don't have time. And I trust her to bring me the good idea, you know. Mm -hmm. And then she trusts me to deliver a good fragrance for her. Absolutely. So that's, this trust is very important within the whole, like, the, the beginning to the end of the of the of the brief. Mm -hmm. And have you guys had the opportunity to work together on a lot of projects? Oh, yeah. every day. She was just in my office like <laughs> 10 minutes ago. <laughs> all the time. All yeah. the time. So yeah. do you pick which perfumer you work with? So... You can say I mean, it. It's okay. <laughs> I feel like we're about to get the... Well, kind of. I asked that after she said she was in your office. Yeah. Again. I know. I'm trying to be delicate here. Yeah. Well, that's also, you know, certain perfumers love to work on certain briefs sometimes that they're super passionate about. And you can see that right away. And sometimes the perfumers will come to me and be like, hey, I really want to work on this project, you mm -hmm. know? So it depends. It really depends on every single brief you get. Also, what client you're working on. And again, you know, I... I have this kind of their collections and libraries in my brain. So I'll be like, if I'm getting the brief from the client, I'll be like, oh, I know this perfumer has a really good accord around a peach. Like I want to go to go to them for that mm -hmm. one. Or, hey, I know this perfumer might be really excited to try something completely brand new, blank slate. I'm going to go to them for that type of direction. I think the most important thing really as an FDM is to not, you're still briefing each perfumer when it's a specific brief on the same brief, right, at the mm -hmm. end of the day. But you have to be briefing each perfumer individually on the direction you want to take them. So mm -hmm. I'm not telling each perfumer, hey, I want your pear musk to be like this. And then if I'm like, hey, put a rhubarb note on it, you know, I'm not telling every perfumer to do that because then I'm just going to get a bunch of the same things. Mm -hmm. So to get those kind of, you know, new signatures, that's where I have to be very specific about, you know, which directions I'm going with di which different perfumers. And I'll be honest with you guys too. Yeah. You know, I'll be like, it's, if you're like, hey, I really want to do a raspberry, I'll be like, I'm sorry, I already got a raspberry, you know? Exactly, or yeah. like, we can work the raspberry in the, like, behind the scenes, but let's prioritize the peach and pear combo right now. And I think something I would hide here, it's um, every briefing is different and we have a couple of different briefs and something very important is the timeline. So sometimes we have a brief and we need a new idea in like two or three days and sometimes 24 hour, right? Mm -hmm. So when we have 24 hour deadline, Seg doesn't have the choice. She's like, okay, like I need this woody coconut. Who do I see to do like a twenty, like a coconut woody in twenty-four hour? She won't go to like the six perfumers or seven perfumers. Right. You know, she's just gonna go to like one and two, and she knows that she they will deliver this type of fragrances. Mm -hmm. um, because also have perfumers, you know, like we all explore different things de depending on the brief. And for example. She knows that I'm good at musk and pear or like musk and woody notes or whatever. Raspberry. But a raspberry. 
but she knows that like I'm not the best in I don't know coconut or whatever. So if she needs the coconut, she might not come see me, you know. So that's mm -hmm. also like depending. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes she needs the coconut and she knows that like I'm not the best at coconut, but we have one month to develop. And she's got let's see and try what you can do as a different coconut, you mm -hmm. know, rather than just like the regular thing we get on the market you know so that's also something very important is the the the, the time we have to create really define somehow our, our creativity and also like the room that the fdm has to to play yeah i think that's a really good point there's so much strategy that goes on behind closed doors especially from the fdm perspective mm -hmm. right because i think a lot of people think of this role as being it's just super creative so you just smell all day it's like smelling and strategy are at the top of mind every time. Because again, like Alexi said, you got 24 hours. It's a whole different strategy than if I have a month to develop. Exactly. Right. So I think something that's really interesting that you're talking about is like which perfumer you'll go to and how to know what to ask from each one. Would you say that your personal opinion and your, your personal opinions and your personal experiences are extremely helpful as a perfumer or would you say that it's better to be able to be objective? I think it is very important to be objective because, for example, like I'm a male perfumer, all right, and 70% of my time is to create for women. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that <laughs> first thing is like I right. have to be objective, you know, for that. And it's also, I cannot only create for me, you know, because mm -hmm. uh, then maybe. I don't like Jasmine, but I have to do a Jasmine, you know, like, so it's also like you have to play with that and be objective um, with what you have to deliver um, and you have to play with. But also I think like you need this part of like in your fragrance, like everybody needs to recognize you and somehow, you know, you need like, to, like what's your signature, exactly right. your identity. And that's where I think it's very important, like very interesting because on the brief, you can, you have to deliver something that the client expect, but also Rather you like it or not, they have to see your special touch in it, you know. Right. And that's where it gets really important and interesting because sometimes it's hard. It's hard to like deliver yourself in the in the fragrance and really show why you're so different, you know, and why mm -hmm. you can at the end the goal is to win. <laughs> so Seglin, yeah. what would you say is Alexi's special touch? Ooh. Or like what are the briefs that you're like, oh, I gotta give this to Alexi? I think Alexi does an excellent job with fruity notes. <laughs> I really do. I find that he brings like more an unexpected signature because typically with fruity notes, like it could just be direct, right? So mm -hmm. it could just well, bring back that peach and pear example. It's just peach and pear. Mm -hmm. But Alexi brings in a lot of different types of ingredients that show off the different facets of the fruits mm -hmm. that makes it just come alive and feel more vibrant and exciting, which is always, it's always a fun one <laughs> I like to do with you and also florals. So yeah. And what about you? Do you feel like there's like something that's like your personal specialty or signature um, touch? I like to try to bring newness and something unexpected in each fragrance. Back to your question of, you know, is there a signature kind of thing you do? For me, it's really, okay, if they always have done marshmallows, let's say, or something like creamy and cozy and cocooning, what can we bring in that's going to be a little bit unexpected? Like, mm -hmm. is it an aromatic freshness? You know, that's kind of like, ooh, what is that? Even though it doesn't smell maybe aromatic and fresh, you're just like, what is that? It's enticing. So that's kind of what I try to do. I mean, there's definitely certain briefs where you're like, this is what we want and that's what it is. You know, no questions asked. So those are, for me, the most exciting type of opportunities and that I love to hopefully shine in <laughs> well I've, i can i just want to add something Please. i think we are um 
both very energized people. <laughs> and I think you you see that in the fragrance, you know, and also the emotions, like at the end of the day, we're just creative of emotions, mm -hmm. right? So when you go in the store, like like this woman or men have to like feel emotions to buy the fragrance. And that's what that's what that's our job. Mm -hmm. And um and I think um Seg is uh, very driven. She has a lot of energy and you know she's uh, She's also very uh, curious, you know, she just goes everywhere and try to find a new fruit. And then, yes, as she said, I will create this new fruit, but also she inspires me, you know, and she gives me all these ideas. And I think that's more than just um, olfactive spaces, you know, it's also that, you know, like for me, same thing, I, ha I have plenty of energy and um, I'm always like, you know, trying to go faster and quicker and like more creative and everything. And that's also what drives me, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you will spend in the, in the fragrances when we work together is this burst of energy, burst of happiness. And, and yeah. Can you share any fragrances that you, you guys have collaborated on? So we worked on one fragrance that was in this amber woody space together, which was a really exciting and challenging brief. You know, it was something we really wanted to win. There was a lot of good pressure on us to get that momentum and that energy going. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the beginning of these types of projects, you you show maybe three to five ideas, you know, your best of, and you don't know what the client's going to gravitate towards because you could be very pleasantly surprised. You might in your head be like, I think they're going to like this one. And that fragrance for me was a really different interpretation of this amber woody space that we were doing versus our other candidates. So it was kind of a wild card mm -hmm. and the client loved it. Wow. And it was also a fragrance for me that you developed that was really all about wearing it on skin, mm -hmm. you know? So it wasn't, you smell on blotter and then you smell on skin, but the consumer, it depends on if, if they're in the department store, they smell on blotter, maybe a ribbon, you know, it depends how fancy they right. want to get. But really the magic happens when it goes on skin. And it was really, for me, this exciting moment where the client saw that too, because sometimes it can be hard to catch their attention if it's not exactly what it's like on blotter versus that skin experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, what was interesting with this fragrance is uh, the, the signature was an easy fit for the client and um, it was really pushing further where we can go usually for this like woody type of knot. Um, and then it's like, holy shit, like how do we make this fit for the fragrance, you know, mm -hmm. for the for the client? And and we just made it happen. And I think that's why, like, you know, the client saw is like, oh, wow, like this is very different. I wouldn't see this for myself, but like, you know what, why not? Let's, tr let's take a risk. Mm -hmm. And then we also help them, you know, we like put it a little bit of fruit here and a bit of comfort here and a bit of creaminess here. And then suddenly it just became this like amazing win where we were all happy about it. And then you just like, keep selling so like even better yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love that fragrance oh. so one thing that I'm curious about is I'm sure you guys work with clients of all budgets and if the budget is you know exponentially high I'm sure that's amazing because you can really use all the ingredients at every price range how do you manage to say it is a very low budget how do you create something that that smells more expensive than it is mm -hmm. I'll let Alexi take this one <laughs> So, you know, like a lot of money is always nice, but sometimes we also, um, what do I do with this money, with this money, you know, like, so we don't, ha you don't need a lot of money to, uh, to do a beautiful fragrance. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that was like a deep life lesson. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> that applies I know. to a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, but it is true, you know, so sometimes you really don't have much money and then yes, you need to make it feel natural and everything. So sometimes you cannot use a natural, but you just try to imitate the nature just to make it feel like it, it is natural. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think it's the same thing. It's just like 
if you're creative and like you just bring something new on the table and just bring emotion, I think it's going to be a good fragrance. Mm -hmm. And um, something to say is that between these two projects that have a lot of money and then very low cost, you know, um, I might spend exactly the same time creating it. So the effort that I will put in, like we'll put in, into this fragrance is the same so like our goal is just to like deliver a good selling fragrance and a good smelling fragrance mm-hmm. um and to be honest sometimes like to work low cost is more challenging so it just excites us more and it just makes us more creative mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, there's definitely a creative aspect when you you're on a budget you know and whatever that budget is those are your constraints and you have to work within that framework and those boundaries right. and I, I always feel like we're able to get there, you know, yeah, like Alexi almost. said, <laughs> sometimes I'll get some pushback being like, we really, you know, if you want that, we really need a, can we, can we get a little more from the mm-hmm. budget? So, mm-hmm. but usually we're, we're in a pretty good place. We find a way to be creative about it, you know, and like Alexi said, kind of mimic the, the more expensive material in different combinations. Interesting. That's the perfumer's magic. That is mm-hmm. the perfumer's magic. No secrets here. The secrets. I'm like, come on, Alexi, make it woodier. <laughs> Put in that money, but don't. <laughs> okay, my perfume juice of the day is a really good one. Are you ready? Are you listening? Do you have a pen and paper ready? Mark your calendars, May 21st. If you live in New York City or the greater New York City area or have been looking for an excuse to go to New York City, there is going to be a live one-year anniversary show of Perfume Room. I'm so excited. I'm going to meet so many of you in person. I cannot say anything else at this time. And I will say the good news is, is that if you are unable to join in person, the show will also be streamable. So evening of May 21st, save the date. See you there. Well, you were talking about your signature collection and how you think of different perfumers, you know, signature scents that they have. But I realized I didn't ask you guys the questions that I always open this podcast with, (laughs) which would be, do you guys, well, first off, are you currently wearing anything? Fragrance wise, obviously they are in, I'm with them in the flesh. They're both clothed very nicely. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, So, I mean... As perfumers and FDM, when we work all day, like with smelling, so like it's really hard to not wear anything um, because then you just like affect your your sense of smell. Um, you'll always, I mean, we do shower in the morning and we do <laughs> okay. like, you know, like some that people... That was the next will, question. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, people do use like um, lotion or whatever, but like this does also affect your sense of smell, you know, because you, mm-hmm. you, you're just like smelling, even if you don't realize, you know, you're smelling. So I think we always have to be like non-smelling uh, conscious, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and But then that's also like the beauty of it. Then at night when we leave the, the, the office, you know, we can just wear the fragrances we make and really enjoy them and wear them. Um, and same thing during the weekend, you know, like for me, I'm always amazed. Like obviously I wear the fragrance I made, but sometimes I'm just so happy to wear something else from the market that mm-hmm. I just haven't done. And just like, you rediscover it and just so good to wear fragrances because we, all day we don't wear fragrances, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Monday through Friday, no fragrance wearing. So you have to keep your skin for whatever you're working on. Mm-hmm. And then besides, so it's whatever you're working on really is the easy answer Monday through Friday. But on the weekends, I do get to experiment <laughs> when I go out, which is rare now in COVID days. Yeah. So I love glossy AU. So I really love those like, kind of like woody musky scents. That's mm-hmm. something I'm super into. That's more of like my 
fall winter go to. And okay. then in the summer, I'm a huge fan of all the Aaron Lauder fragrances. I love, I I love mean, everything you've just named. So. They're so good. Those like the tuberoses mm-hmm. and, you know, the gardenias and the, the Mediterranean honeysuckle, all those fragrances are just make me happy. They're very feminine and they're very like blooming. So mm-hmm. those are kind of my switcher uppers depending on the season. <laughs> Interesting. And what about you, Alexia? Do you have a signature scent? Um, you know, like I just love vetiver and oris, so anything vetiver and oris I will wear, you know. Um, but then there's one fragrance that I created um, with Honorine that I really love is the Polo Spot Fresh, and I don't know, it just like so, it just so easy to wear, but also just make you so different. So I yeah. just love wearing it, um, and also I think it's because through the creation there is a lot of like like emotions going on. So I just, I just, you know, it just remind me um, this like good moment of uh, creation. Um, I love the Vetiver Tonka by Hermes because I'm a fan lover mm-hmm. of Vetiver. And uh, the Diorome Intense for me, just like, for, especially during winters, oh. Diorome wow. is so good. I love Diorome. Good. I, I wear that Diorme. too. I love Diorome. 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 I know. I just, my, just, my brain like was, I was not thinking as I was speaking. I love Diorome. <laughs> I love the Oris and Diorome. Oh, yeah. It's just the vanilla, beautiful. the Vetiver. Oh. I saw also, Alexi, that you created Verdigris. Yes. And I love that scent. I was with uh, my boyfriend in Bloomingdale's and we were in the Zenya section and they had samples of their fragrances out. And of course, whenever I see samples, I'm just like, we have to smell these. And I smelled Verdigris and I, did I say that correctly? Yeah. And I loved it so (laughs) much. And then I was, you know, stalking you on Instagram before the interview and I was like, oh my God, (laughs) look at that. Uh, Yeah. The Zenya fragrances are incredible too. Yeah. Yeah, Zenya, amazing. And you've created multiple of them. Yeah, two of them, the the Cyprium and the Verdigris, yeah. yeah so and I do think the bolos also just make them like even more beautiful. They're the, so the, beautiful the, with passion, oh, yeah. God. So I know this has to happen because you guys are both behind popular fragrances. Do you ever smell them on strangers? Like, are you ever on the subway or on the street and you're just like, oh my God, that, yeah. it's happening. Yeah, yeah. When and it does what is happen, that like? Smelling in the street is really like... Uh, somehow rewarding and just like as I said you know like we put a lot of effort in our creations you know and it's also a lot of time so it just for me it just reminded me like the time when we created and like I just see us back like running in the office and like trying to like get <laughs> this right and everything so that just remind me of that and it's also like we I mean we are proud of what we did you know because people are wearing it and same thing sometimes I just go in the store and I see this fragrance like up front I'm like oh my god thank you you know it's just mm-hmm. like um yeah it's rewarding it's so rewarding, really? yeah. It's a really joyful moment, honestly, you know, because also I, I love the fact that fragrance and scent is invisible, but it is able to give you these emotions, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't see it, but it's this feeling that you get when you smell it. So when you do smell something you've developed or created before on somebody else that's a stranger, especially, you're like, oh my God, wait, mm-hmm. is that is that what I think it is? Mm-hmm. You're like, what are you wearing? Oh, what? I'm just asking because I made it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the other question that I always ask our guest is, do you have any controversial opinions, fragrance-related? Uh, I can go first. Um, Alexi and I were talking about this the other day. Honestly, for me, it's I find so many people smell with their eyes rather mm-hmm. than with their nose and that it's all about the brand, you know, or what does that fragrance bottle look like on my vanity, you know? Right. And that for me is 
sometimes that's fun, you know, to each their own, but I would really encourage people to try to smell with their nose more and not Mm -hmm. be influenced by the brand name because there's so many beautiful fragrances out there that might be by a brand that you would say, I would never, you know, buy something from that Mm -hmm. brand. And it could have an incredible new signature and smell so good on you that it's just, it's worth trying, you know, it's kind of like, even when you go clothes shopping, you know, for mm-hmm. something new with fashion and you see something and you don't see what the brand name is, and you're like, I love this. And you see the brand name and it changes your perspective. Right. It's such a shame. It shouldn't be, that shouldn't be the case. Right. So right. that's kind of my little hot take. And are there any brands that you feel people need to give more of a shot to? No, but you know, as you said before, like you ask us, um, what do you do when you have a lot of money and then uh, not so much money? And I think that's really true. Sometimes we just put as much effort. So maybe the quality of the naturals in fragrances is not the same. But still, we we try to create something that everybody can wear, you know. So obviously niche is super interesting. Prestige is super interesting. But I think we shouldn't look over like mass market. You know, there's a lot of very interesting thing there. And, you know, sometimes mass market doesn't say like we don't put a lot of money in there. You know, it just like maybe just the brand. Um, that's not like super luxury, but still they give us a lot of money to work on and we do beautiful fragrances for them. So, you know, always be on the lookout for like new things, wherever the brand is. And uh, sometimes you don't have to spend uh, like $300 to have a beautiful fragrance. Mm -hmm. How did you guys both end up in this industry and what is your relationship to scent and fragrance? So I hate to say this, but I'm very lucky because I'm French. The, the culture of perfume in France is very is very important, you know, and I French people just kind of grow up with it, which is actually amazing, but also like I wish we could have this anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, you know, I was um, eight years old and like I'm colorblind and colors don't mean much to me, you know, and I always been attracted by scents. I don't know why. Um, I always love smelling and uh, I was lucky enough. My, my, uh, my family took me to the... Um, Musée International Parfum, so like the the Museum of Perfume in mm-hmm. in South of France, mm-hmm. and I was like, gosh, like this is. Did you this grow is up in South of France? No, I grew up in North of France, but uh-huh. like you know, for the vacation, right, I right. was lucky enough to go the, to see the sun, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, I had access to that. And then I, I since then, I was eight years old. I was like, okay, I want to be a perfumer. That's that's it. My parents thought I was crazy, by the way, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then. You know, I had access to like literature and then a school. So I did a, a school in Paris called Ecosper du Parfum. Um, and and then I was lucky enough to be trained as a perfumer. But yeah, the, the culture of perfume like always has been in into my life. And uh, I have to say, I'm, I'm very lucky for that. What did your parents think was like the normal thing to do? No, I think they were very happy for me. <laughs> and like, but you know, it's like my parents are absolutely not in the in the perfume industry. And right. then I was like, all right, like, you know, I love perfume. And they're like, oh, interesting. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I've heard that in France, like being a perfumer is like the way that people in America think about someone who's like a neurosurgeon. Like that it's like, oh, yeah. the mo- it's the most prestigious thing that you yeah, yeah, could yeah. do. No, for sure. Yeah. If you go in a bar and you like say you're a perfumer, you, you yeah. You're going to have, have a, a good, good night. Shot. You're going to get some numbers. You know, it's like your banker in New York, you know, it's yeah. same thing in France. Right, right. <laughs> Which is why I think it's so interesting that like there's, well, another thing I think is so fascinating how you're saying perfume is so prevalent in France. It's like perfume or fragrance or cologne. It's like not part of the culture the way it is in Europe and in other countries. 
And it's like, I remember I had guests on the podcast and one of them had an Italian husband, one of them had an American husband, and we were talking about their scents. And one of them wore a Frederick Mal scent and the other one wore men's speed stick. And you can guess which <laughs> one was Italian and which one was American. And it, it's just so interesting, the, the cultural difference. Yeah, mm -hmm. especially from the male perspective. Yeah, especially from the male perspective. Right. But yeah, you know, like access to the literature, I think is very important. Uh, and and also just to the schools, you know, like the 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 thing changed, but the thing we have in France from the perfume is the, the history, mm -hmm. um, which I think is amazing because especially in the United States, but also like everywhere else, you know, Brazil and China and everywhere in the world, like we're actually... Um, developing a new history for 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 the perfume industry, you know, mm -hmm. everywhere, and maybe in a few years, you know, like some young kid in um, wherever in the middle of America would say, "I want to be a perfumer," and uh, right. I hope that would be possible because, like, we're building for them right. this history, right. and maybe one day they're like, "Oh, you know, like I wore this perfume that was created in uh, 2022," you know, right? Um, and and that's really what I hope for is to um, extend this culture to everywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. And what about you, Seb? So, okay, so I'm half French, half American. So you get the I'm best only of half. <laughs> yikes. Um, Which one is the yikes to? The French or the American? We don't say. <laughs> Just the we half part. <laughs> no, so my mom is French. Um, my dad's American. I was born in France. So, I mean, you can't tell by my super American accent. I've definitely been Americanized. Since She's making fun of me here. Maybe that's okay. <laughs> I'm loving this because, like, anytime <laughs> I have a chance to, like, speak French, even though I just said bien sûr and, like, that's it, I'm like, I'm in heaven. <laughs> but so it was It was always something that was also part of my life. You know, my dad loved everything about France, which is, you know, obviously why he ended up With marrying a French woman. Um, but... So he was in the fragrance industry. My mom was always obsessed with perfume. So growing up, we had, you know, old fragrance, antique bottles as decorations. We had fragrance ads, you know, framed in our home. And when I was little, you know, around eight years old too, my dad gifted me a make your own perfume kit. So that was my birthday present. Cool. And so I was, you know, mixing everything. And so I was also wearing fragrance at like eight years old as well. And it was just every birthday I got a new perfume from mm -hmm. my dad or he would bring something for me. And then eventually, you know, I was just, it was in college. I'm like, oh God, I got to get an internship this summer, you know? So I was chatting with my dad and I said, you know, I want to, I would love to be in the beauty industry. I want to do something creative. Um, I want to be able to speak French every day. You know, I want international exposure. I'd love the company be international. And I, I mean, I hope I like everyone too. You know, I hope it's fun. And he was like, oh my God, you gotta, you gotta go intern in fragrance. Mm -hmm. So what did your dad do in fragrance? He was an account manager. So okay. he was in sales. Okay. So I was like, okay, great. So luckily I was able to secure an internship here at Furmanish. Uh, I did a second summer the following year. And then when I graduated, uh, I was just in contact with them. And I, you know, I, I mean, the spirit here and the energy and the people is so contagious. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, wait, everyone is so cool here. I love working with them. I want to work here. Mm -hmm. So was very fortunate to be able to get a job right out of graduating. And that's really how it happened. It kind of, you know, was a mix between trying to find the right thing for me and then Furmanish being that perfect place. Wow. So yeah. That's amazing. Well, one of the things that you guys both touched on is just the different education that's involved. And you were talking about perfume school. I would love to learn more about what your training was and how it differs as a F as an FDM versus a <laughs> perfumer. We're just natural. We're just born like with it. I'm kidding. <laughs> I believe it. Maybe I believe she's it. born with it. No. Um, Maybe it's perfume school. <laughs> 
Um, no, so for me, um, as I said, I went to this school in uh, in Paris, but um, it's amazing school, you know, but to be a perfumer, you need more than that. Um, that gives you like the culture and the, like the chemical background and like the, the history of perfume. And also, you know, like for me today, I'm a perfumer, but, um, you know, I learned a little bit of marketing, a little bit of like sales strategy and like, you know, I kind of learned everything to like be in the perfume industry. And I think that's very helpful. Mm -hmm. So that was part one. Um, and then to be a perfumer, you have to be lucky enough to be hired by a company to be trained um, in-house. So that's um, like a three to four um, years of training where you basically first start with just like smelling raw materials for like about a year. You think it's amazing, but then you're tired of it. <laughs> yeah. And and then the next step is actually to create accords. Um, so create accords is just like you recreate the smell of a jasmine, of a pear, of a, the famous raspberry. And then, <laughs> you know, you're just cre creating like... Um, Accord that exists like in the world, and then the next step is actually to create your creative accords, which is very different to play with those raw materials. Um, and then the last step is to, to create for a specific brief because then you have so much more constraint, you know, like you have the price, you have the timeline, you have the so many things, you know, that goes around the safety and, and etc. So, like, that, that's the last part, um, and then. I was very fortunate because I was mentored by Honorine Blanc, who's a master perfumer at Firmenich. And, you know, that's uh, very helpful, but it's even like beyond helpful. You know, it just helps you to grow your career, but also like grow personally, grow your creative talents and everything. So um, I think that part is also very important. Is not so much part of the training. For me, it's more like mentorship, which is a little bit different, mm -hmm. um, but super helpful. And, and that, that got me where I am. So for me, I went to Tulane University and studied political science. So the natural path. <laughs> Shit, I didn't know that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. In the US, there's not really an official perfumery school like there is in France, right? It's not as common. So my training was very different. Um, I was very lucky to be a part of Verminish's Olfactive Excellence program where they recruit about you know, two or so people, four people every five to 10 years, I would say. And the timing was right. And they needed to start, you know, having new people up in the pipeline and really mentoring them and training them. So what Firminish does is they create this program that's two to three years. And there's a lot of different steps around it. So the beginning phase is learning all about the history of fragrances. So you learn all the different olfactive families, masculine, feminine, unisex, everything. And you're, it's kind of like you're in grad school, but you also have on the job training and mentorship as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, I was in the library writing papers on the weekends. About, but it's, it's a job. It, but it's a job. So you're paid to do I'm, it. I'm okay. paid. Yes. And then you have uh, blind tests as well. So these iconic fragrances and you have to say what it is. Then the next step is you go, for my training specifically, we went to Princeton, New Jersey, which is where our other office is here. And we learned more about the body care and hair care and home care side of things, and as well as training underneath a technical perfumer who taught us all the raw materials. So we learned 300 to 500 raw materials where we had to then again, get blind tested. And in the tests you would be you know, what's the family, what's the subfamily, and if you can, what's the exact raw material ingredient. And, and what'd you get on those tests? A <laughs> hundred? I got A's. Not always perfect scores. Don't worry. You don't have to be perfect all the time. That's okay. what I try I'm to I'm curious, myself. like, if you need to get every single one right. No, no. no. They even say, like, honestly, for an FDM, if you can get family and subfamily, that's already enough in terms okay. of the vocabulary. Mm -hmm. 
And then after that, you have a three-month exposure internationally. So I went to Paris where I was working on a, a more of a France, French type of brand to get that experience, meet with new perfumers and IDA. And then while you're on the job, you have a mentor. And yeah, that's it's pretty cohesive type of intense training program until you graduate. Wow. But I think it's, uh, it goes beyond just your like time of training. Um, I mean, perfumers even more, but I think they're both very experimental jobs. So like perfumers, it's just like trials and errors. So like every day we do trials and like it works, it doesn't work and you just keep going. Um, so that's more for the formulation type of aspect for me. But I think for SEG is the same thing. Um, as FDM, you just like try and sometimes it wins, sometimes it doesn't, you know, on projects. Um, so it's very, it takes a long time to like, I think to be a good perfumer, it takes like 10 years and FDM, like basically five, seven years, you yeah. know, so mm -hmm. it just goes beyond the training. Mm -hmm. And we're very lucky. I feel at Furmanish to be able to have these types of mentorship programs. I mean, I would not be here if it weren't for the countless mentors that I've had and that I really do mean that mm -hmm. because people take it out of their day to day when they're working on these huge projects to teach us and mentor us and show us and, you know, delicately say, I wouldn't do it that way. Let's try this way. Mm -hmm. You know, you're allowed to fail here, right. which is so important because if you can't fail, you're never going to learn anything. I mean, it's also interesting too, because I think people, consumers are so quick and I can be this way too, to smell a perfume and be like, I like it. I don't like it. And what people don't understand is how many rounds and how much thought and how many brilliant people and, and creatives and professionals went into a fragrance that you like can flippantly dismiss or, you know, mm -hmm. just like someone said like, aha, this is it. And then like someone smells it and is like, no, it's not. You know, <laughs> I think it's so interesting just thinking about all of the behind the scenes mm -hmm. of a fragrance and what we, it's just really comprehensive. Wow. Takes a village, as we say here. Well, I feel like this is a great segue into smelling some of the most iconic Furminish fragrances. How do you guys let's do feel it? Feel about that? I mean, we smell every day, so one more, you know. <laughs> <laughs> one yeah, more. Let's do more smells. <laughs> we have seven different iconic Furminish fragrances in front of us over the past three decades, and I thought we could go by decade and just sort of go through some of the really big hits. So let's start with the decade I think we were all born. <laughs> I don't know. Am I right? Yes. The yes, 90s? Yeah. Okay. We have two fragrances we're going to talk about, CK1 and Estee Lauder Pleasures. And I thought before we get into it, we could just talk about like what was going on contextually in the fragrance industry in the 90s. Yeah. Okay. So the 90s, I think that the way that we think of the 90s is like, you know, kind of like tacky, bright neon colors, all those things. But that's a little bit more in the later 90s. So I'm talking a little bit more beginning of the 90s, starting off the decade. But mm -hmm. there was kind of two movements happening. One was this kind of like grunge, you know, kind of coming out of the sex, drugs and rock and roll era. Then there was also the other side that was this feeling of just purity and Japanese Zen spas were starting to be really trendy. So this feeling of like peace and serenity and just like cleanliness and just, you know, coming out of this different rock and roll, sex, drugs, rock and roll kind of situation. Mm -hmm. So the two fragrances that we're going to smell today, CK1 and Pleasures, are coming out of those worlds. Mm -hmm. And CK1 was really that first modern unisex fragrance mm -hmm. that we saw. So 
I mean, back in the day, you know, like hundreds of years ago, every fragrance was unisex, the eau de colognes, and everyone was wearing everything, whatever. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that. For the most part, yeah, because yeah. there wasn't that much Not perfume. Not options, right. So it kind of was what it was. There, Of course, there were certain ones that maybe some were more feminine, more masculine, but so CK1 was that first modern unisex fragrance that we know of today, and that has really opened up the door to unisex fragrances that mm-hmm. we see today. We see more and more more common, even like the niche type of industry as well. So this was a huge success for Furmanish and really put us on the map for being a little bit of a trendier fragrance house. We were a little bit more of this planet classic fragrance house. Um, I I was told, I mean, I wasn't obviously working at Furmanish at this time. So these are stories that have been passed down to me. But mm-hmm. out of our Princeton offices, which is where our factory plant is, where we manufacture out of the U.S., that there were just trucks going out of the plant 24-7 just carrying CK1. Amazing. So it was just like... Everyone was super excited at Furmanish. This was a huge moment for us. And I mean, I'm sure you guys remember too, the CK1 commercials, the black and white, everyone's in their white tank tops. And it's just kind of this idea of like, let's all come together. We are one. And that's part of the reason, you know, why I ended up becoming called CK1. This was also developed with Ann Gottlieb. So a legend who has been on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Should we smell it? Yeah, let's smell it. Yeah, let's smell it. it. I think this is a, a great showcase for like modern perfumery for me, you know, mm-hmm. like um, what's interesting also just within the years, you know, you have to think in the in the 19th, um, the, the 20th century, like first when we started, you didn't have like any ad. Um, so, you know, the perfume was just like itself showcase, you know, like you have to discover the fragrance only for the fragrance where then you know like in the 80s 90s like you have the advertising and Calvin Klein was very famous for that because mm-hmm. of the tank top and you know all right, that right. so Calvin Klein is so first a new way of formulating for me you know it's very like unisex and clean and modern and, and also it's advertised in a way that's very linked to the fragrance you know it's very I don't say young and juvenile you know but it's very uh, refreshing and, 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 and new Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's such a good point. We see, you know, a lot of the times fragrances that don't end up being successful on the market. It's because there's there's not that link and that cohesion between the marketing, the actual scent, and maybe the bottle and the packaging. All those pieces and the fragrance name have to make sense to this be successful. This is one story for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and then, yeah, talking a bit about the notes, you know, um, it's a master perfume at Feminish that created it. Uh the um, Alberto Morias with uh, also Harry Freeman, who was also a master perfumer, so both amazing perfumers. Um, icons. And I, yeah, icons. Why I say modern is also because of the notes. You know, there's a T note uh, that's pretty new, you know, to the perfumery. And uh, the T note, obviously, everybody drinks tea and you know what it smells like, but we have an accord that smells like tea, you know, so it's like citrus and a little bit of aromatic notes and floral notes like jasmine violet and a lot of like green notes as well. But this accord just became so um, iconic and that's that's one of them in the, in the CK1. So we're going to talk a lot about like different fragrances, but I think why they're so specific and unique is because they, br- they brought something new, like a new accord, a new signature mm-hmm. um, within the perfumery. So yeah, here, you know, like it's very fresh, it's very clean. A little bit of aromatic, a little bit of spices and woods and uh, musk, but that's really what makes it modern too. Is the all this like woody and musky notes? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Because before you had a lot of the cologne, but the cologne was mostly aromatic and fresh and citrus. Uh, where here you have new things. We have a little bit of spices in the cologne. Mm, 
that's new. Okay. Um, you have mosque, that's new too. You have woods, you know, so like it's really a modern écriture, uh, yeah. I would say. And it's also very long lasting. So like Alexi was saying, usually the old eau de colognes, it was just kind of citrus fresh and that was it. So they would flash off. They wouldn't last very long on your skin. Mm -hmm. This was one also where at the time, the notes that we were using to have things be long lasting was more around like patchouli and moss. And this here is using vanilla to really bring in, you wouldn't even think it has vanilla because it's not, you know, super sweet. It just- That's a secret, Seg. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you could find it online. <laughs> you were talking about the accords and how it was the first time that the, that accord was, that T accord was sort of created. Once you do create a successful accord, does that become like a Furmanish accord and you can use it for other scents? Or is it a, an accord that you were like, this is uniquely for CK1? No, I mean, then, you know, we, everybody can kind of recreate the same thing and just like work with it for another um, brief or like fragrance, mm -hmm. you know? So this is not specific to Furmanish, but then it kind of is because, you know, it's legacy in a way, you know? So like everybody knows like, oh, the tea note was from this perfumer and in, in this fragrance. Mm. Uh, but obviously we can use it after. Um, it's not like copyright. It's not that. Yeah. But the thing is like we have specific natural uh, ingredients, like the quality of jasmine that we have, it is Firmanish Right. Uh, quality right. uh, and same thing for molecule which is interesting because modern perfume is also modern because we use more molecules than before um, and here for example uh, CK1 there is musk and woods um, obviously I didn't create it so like I'm not sure which ones there is but you know we have a Firmanish captive molecules mm -hmm. but just make it special so nobody else can copy it mm -hmm. got it so the next one that we have which came out just one year later in 1995 is Estee Lauder pleasures yes so this is act this is a i mean i love this fragrance i used to wear this i just think it's so yeah. beautiful and pure i mean you guys know the it's if you so know the dewy yeah it's just so pretty i mean it's so feminine and the advertisements are you know they're in the field of flowers with the puppies i mean talk about the most innocent pure concept and that was really what was the idea behind this fragrance so this was the first fragrance also that Estee Lauder took um, a step back and passed on the baton to Evelyn Lauder. And Karen Corey was also involved in this development. So, you know, this before, like I was saying in the 90s, kind of it was like these Zen Japanese spas were kind of trending. It was also this idea of like minimalism being cool and materialism was a little bit starting to fade away. So again, purity and this innocence was growing. And also this is something that Annie Byzantian and Alberto Morias also created and I was I had the honor of speaking to Annie on the phone to kind of get a little bit of you know some inside scoops from her she's she's now retired but she is also a huge Furmanish legend someone she's oh, we miss her every day so she you know she really had to say was that she was very fortunate to work with Karen and Evelyn and that they really had this vision from the beginning so that's really here having that client relationship and collaboration where you're constantly in communication and having that end goal in sight and knowing where you're going and then being directed by the client and working mm -hmm. really hand in hand with them is so important to have a successful fragrance mm -hmm. so it was really this vision of having this transparent floral idea and, you know, when you understand what the purpose of a fragrance is, that's when you can make a winning fragrance happen. So when we smell it, and in terms of the notes, there's really a this signature of this new pink pepper note that came out, which was a huge part of the storytelling, which I'll let Alexi kind of dive into a little bit more. 
Yeah, um, so pink pepper, it's obviously like the a spice, um, but we extracted either with distillation or Firmenich was one of the first to do the um, CO2 extraction, so which is a different type of extraction. The, the distillation use water, you know, like we distill that water and the CO2, it's a gas, but we transform as a liquid and then it blended with the, with the raw material. So in this case, uh, pink pepper. And so it really doesn't affect in any way actual raw, raw material and just make it like smell exactly like it is in the nature. So this was brand new. And I think, you know, we talked about this a little bit. It's always like bringing something new to the table. Sometimes it can be an accord like CK1 or it can be pleasure. It's also like the new way of working. I think flows for me because every single fragrance before also had jasmine, also had rose and everything. But as you said, pleasure is dewy. And, and that's what makes it interesting um, is the way they worked it to be more pleasant and dewy and fresh, you know, and that's, that's for me, the modernity. Um, and then this hint of pig pepper just make the 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 fun you know <laughs> yeah it's a nice new addition to kind of give you that hook when you're getting into the fragrance yeah i mean just sort of if you sort of recap the decade thinking about both of these fragrances they both have a fresh soft sort of minimalist sheer element to them even though they're both different like i i think it's a good summation of how you guys kind of described what was going on contextually in the 90s in terms of fragrance trends mm-hmm and it's always cool to see too that the fragrance trends and the scents that are coming out and the new, you know, unexpected signatures is such a reflection of the socioeconomic times. Right. So mm-hmm. right. that is a huge part of, you know, even during my FDM training that I was always taught. And it's it's really fun to see it happening in action right now. You know, it's a little bit more of this niche kind of world that's coming out. For sure. Yeah. It's like, well, the idea of niche is that it's supposed to not be mainstream, but then niche is becoming mainstream. Right. So what mm-hmm. is niche these days? Or yeah. what's even mainstream? What's mainstream? Right. <laughs> well, let's move on to the next decade. We've got the early 2000s. Yes. Um, and so the two that we have in front of us are D&G Light Blue and Marc Jacobs Daisy. Yes. So this was a decade where there were a lot of new fruity fragrances. So it was all about floral, fruity fragrances, nothing. I mean, there was still a little bit of those like gourmand sweet fragrances, but they were starting to be on the rise. That's kind of next into the next decade, but all about fruits here. And this was the decade of specialty retail, like Bath and Body Works and Victoria's Secret really taking off as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of influence in there. I mean, you know, like cucumber melon and whatnot. Let's think about those My childhood. Yeah, 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 exactly. So these two uh, fragrances are really a little bit of a different departure from that, which is why we wanted to highlight them to kind of showcase here's how they kind of push the boundaries and ended up being iconic fragrances. So D&G Light Blue came out in 2001 and is by Olivier Cresp. This literally takes me to like middle school. My old roommate and very close friend Liz wears this fragrance and whenever I would come home back to the apartment, I would know if she had just left because I would just smell it in the hallway. Right. Oh, I mean, reminds me of her. But this fragrance is such an interesting example because it actually was just supposed to be an in and out quick flanker Mm -hmm. fragrance. So there's pillar fragrances and flanker fragrances. So pillar fragrances is, you know, for Dolce & Gabbana, it was just Dolce & Gabbana, right? Then they did light blue to be I didn't realize light blue was supposed to be a flanker to Dolce & Gabbana. Yes, so it was so successful. I mean, it was, it is still consistently in the top five for the NPD top 30. And at one point a few years ago, it 
the sales accounted for 9% of the market share, which That's is crazy. mind blow. When you think about how many perfumes are in the world, yeah. 9%, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So, you know, it was just absolutely huge and it's a very different signature. So if you're thinking about the times right now, it's very fruity, you know, floral fruity market, specialty market. This still has that kind of fruity aspect to it because it has this apple note, mm-hmm. but it also has that citrus feeling and then these new elements of woods that are very clean woods that come into play. Like it's really cedary to me. Mm-hmm. And, and that thing, that's what makes it beautiful too. You know, it's uh, such a pretty fragrance and also powerful, but for me, the way I love um, light blue, don't get me wrong, it's beautiful on blotter and just like when you spray it on skin. But when you just smell someone on the sidewalk, you know, wearing light blue, you just smell it from like far away. And it's so very delicate. You have this like petally green apple with the cedar wood and the cedar wood just make it really special and just beautiful. So um, obviously it's beautiful on skin, but mm-hmm. oh, in the air, it's just magical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what's so, and what's interesting, you know, with the with fragrances in a way, you know, is uh, you have two different ways to discover them on skin and in, in the air, you know. Right. And then interestingly enough, you know, in the in the 2000, uh, we have a lot of new molecules. For example, at Firmonish, we have new musk and new woods and everything. And here, um, there's a new wood, the captive wood, the cedar wood captive, but uh, is used and it's pretty used like in overdose in a way. Can you explain what overdose means for everyone listening? It's, it's you know, you use 1% of a material and suddenly you, was, you use 10%. That's okay. an overdose. You know, you just put a lot of uh, amount of it. And for example, you have a lot of this overdose uh, in the past, like Chanel Number no. 5 right. was an overdose of aldehydes. Angel is an overdose. And it's still the first time to use like praline and such type right. of elements, you know. So here, it's still an overdose, but, you know, you have this, uh, Olivier Kress, by Femme Recreated, it uses um, Firmenich Captive in a, in a big amount, you know, and just what makes it so special and unique. Um, and what's interesting is like, you know, today we still have, as perfumers, we have access to the same room material, you know, but it still smells new and modern, you know, light blue. Right. When you smell it, you're like, it could just be mm-hmm. a new fragrance. You it know? could and, come out and, today, yeah. for sure. Especially because these sort of woody, fresh, musky scents are still so popular today. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it could t- totally come out in 2022. Totally. And I think what's interesting, uh, as I said, you know, it's the first time you really start smelling fruits, um, which can be a, a little bit surprising, you know. But for me, it's really, I mean, at the time, not today. Today, we just still use with the fruits. Um, but the way it is done in light blue, and we're going to see also as well in the Mark Jacob Daisy, but it's just so natural, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And and for me, that brings this... Uh, New aspect in perfumery is the nostalgia. Everybody loves apple, knows what apple smell. Everybody loves, I don't know, vanilla, chocolate, coffee, you know. Mm-hmm. And and that's... Um, raspberry. New raspberry, <laughs> you know. And uh, that's what makes a perfume natural and uh, magical in a way. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. This is... It's so interesting too because, you know, I don't even think I picked up on the apple note as much. But as you talk about it and I smell it, I'm like, oh, it's a woody apple. And I always thought of it as like a fresh cedar wood, which it's not not that. But mm-hmm. the apple note, it's definitely one of those things that as I'm consciously thinking about it, I'm very aware of it. Yeah. It helps to facet the lemon too because I think lemon can be a very functional mm-hmm. note that people are kind of associating with like cleaning products in America. You know, mm-hmm. every culture is different smelling cleaning products. So, right. But for us, lemon is typically, you know, what – Clorox wipes are scented with. So this really makes the lemon be fresh and inviting and welcoming Mm -hmm. because of the apple. Okay, should we move on to Jacob's Daisy? 
All right. So Mark Jacobs Daisy, this is now 2007, also by Alberto Morales. He is, you know, as you can tell, an absolute legend. So this was also a huge success for Furmanish, and it really modernized this floral green olfactive territory mm-hmm. for fragrances. So beforehand, floral green fragrances were, you know, they used notes like galbanum, which is a little bit more of like kind of an older, old-fashioned type of green note. So there's more modernization in these green, dewy, like leafy aspects of Mm -hmm. fragrances. So it's really fresh and it's crisp. It has that watery aspect. And it's really just, it's easy and simple to understand. And it also has this youthful impression. It's very natural. And going back to the original brief, this was also something that was worked with Ann Gottlieb. And, you know, they really wanted a violet. So violet is another type of green note. Mm-hmm. So we tried a ton of different violets, but nothing really got Ann's attention. We weren't really pushing the boundaries. And so finally, you know, Furmanish decided, let's work off of this sandalwood musk vanilla accord and let's add violet to it. Let's kind of flip the brief on its head. Let's not mm-hmm. try starting with a violet fragrance. And that got Ann's attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we needed a hook. So we're like, okay, let's add a little bit of this like fresh strawberry and see what happens. And, you know, this was some a fragrance that Furmanish developed really with their gut and with their instinct. So it was something that was not really typically how we would address a brief, which made it stand out and made us be able to be successful in winning the brief. So it just kind of goes to show sometimes you overthink it or you're too direct about how you handle a brief. And sometimes when you just, you know, that's when you know, and that's when you have to go for it. So. So I have a question about that. And maybe Alexi, you can answer you were talking about how the hook was the strawberry. How do you interpret, if if the direction that you get is, we need a hook, how do you translate that to a note? Good question. <laughs> if you have the answer, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, it depends, you know, it depends on the project, it depends on uh, the construction of your fragrance, it depends on the market, you know, but uh, who doesn't know what strawberry smells like, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's always a good hook. It's always like brings us like, as we say, nostalgia moments, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I know that, like, you know what it is, strawberry. Mm-hmm. Um then if for work for maybe like South America, maybe you need a bit more like tropical food because that's what they know. Mm-hmm. Or same thing with like China, you know, maybe the tea note could be interesting, the mm-hmm. osmentus, you know. So you can work with so many different things, but the the hook is just you have to work on this first impression that just gonna have the consumer buy it. And it has to be pleasant in but it also has to tell a story. So how do you do that? It depends, but it's just your own interpretation. And I think if you have some kind of like surprising notes with naturality and that bring you to like something you know, this this nostalgia, this uh, Madeleine de Proust, you know, as we say, mm-hmm. that you have a winner, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also the strawberry here, sometimes strawberry can be very like sticky, jammy, mm-hmm. heavy. But because this fragrance has those like green, dewy, violet notes, it really feels more like that's natural you right, know, very fra- fresh. Yeah, it's a right. natural, fresh strawberry. Mm-hmm. So it's not in that kind of more like jammy way. Do you guys ever, when working together, disagree on which mod is the best one? Always. <laughs> and that's what makes uh, work interesting. <laughs> so, how, so how do you, like, if you're sure that it's the second one and you're sure it's the third, and I'm not even sure if that's the nomenclature, maybe you call them like <laughs> mod wob. I have no idea. <laughs> but like, how, how do you go about that? It's ultimately your decision or... I'm looking at that when I say know, that. As we say, <laughs> it's there's trust and partnership. So um, if I'm really confident this is the mod, I'm going to push for it, you know. Um, and 
either say we'll listen or no, you know, then that's our choice. Or sometimes I'm like, you know what, I don't really know the client. I prefer this mod, but you seem to prefer the other one. You know better your market. Go for it, you know. Yeah. Like, um, so I think that's just like a discussion to have, but we always like find like we agree on something, you know, like it's, right. we never leave. I mean, we it's didn't. never like a fight. Not yeah, no, like it's never storming like a out fight, of his but, office. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a so like as perfumer, we're creating and that's that's part of us. So like we're so attached to it. And sometimes you're like, no, like that, that that's that's where I'm trying to go for, you know, and right. sometimes it just doesn't fit the project. So sometimes you have to listen to the FDM and say, all right, you know, like you're you're right. You let's go. Let's go with your guts and not with mine. And sometimes I'm just like, no, this is the direction I want to go. Like, you know, I'm trying to like bring this new thing uh, there. So like, let's let's try and push it further, you know, and, you know, just a discussion. And uh, it really depends. It also depends on the stage in the project. And if maybe the client mentioned, you know, well, you can't go to strawberry, raspberry, red fruit. And maybe Alexi's preferred mod is that we went more red fruit. I might be like, ooh, I'm a little hesitant to do that. I'd rather be a little safer and choose this other mod that's less red fruit. So we don't, you know. And do you put one mod in front of the client or do you put like? It depends on the client. So some clients really when you're, you so you have a fragrance theme, right? And then you send in reworks as you're developing mm -hmm. on that theme. So usually we can send one mod rework and that's when it becomes even tougher. Sometimes we can send two. Some clients are happy to, you know, smell a couple, but they really need to have a reason to be and why are they different right. if you're going to show more than one. Otherwise, show your best of, you know. Is it ever hard to like detach yourself from something you've created if you've created something and the feedback isn't what you want it to be? Yeah, and and you know that's what makes it interesting because for example, I have this fragrance that I really believe in. Like I try with so many time to like put it on project and it, FDMs are like, nope, sorry, that's <laughs> that's not. But I believe in it. Yeah. And then you know I keep just keep going and like maybe it will take two or three years and then somehow it's gonna it be on the market another, uh, yeah. in a few years. You know, so that's it. Just creating, 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 and. Sometimes the client doesn't like it. Sometimes the FDM is like, that doesn't fit my project. So you just have to keep trying. And when you really believe in something, I believe you have to keep trying, you know? Yeah, yeah there's definitely some fragrances that we've worked on together where we've been doing them for, you know, two years. And finally the right project and the, the client gravitates towards it. And you're just like, yes, oh my God, finally. We knew it was yeah. going to happen at some point. But sometimes you have to just keep trying in different right. ways, right? You're not showing the same fragrance, but right. you're you're twisting it in different ways that is more appropriate for the brief. And then it, it lands, yeah. which is, that's a really exciting part of the job. But sometimes also we're not so stubborn, you know, and sometimes yeah. like perfumers think they have an amazing idea. And then after like three months trying, you're like, all right, this is not working. This is <laughs> yeah. not going to go anywhere. They're just like, forget about it. And, right. and you know, that's um, same thing. That's a partnership. Sometimes I just believe in something and say, it's like, Alexi, you, you got to stop. You know? <laughs> and, and, and then I trust her and that's it. <laughs> and that's the hardest part of my job, honestly, is to have to deliver bad news and say, hey, I didn't put your fragrance in. I didn't submit it, you know, and this is why and have to be honest about it. And I think that's a huge important part of our relationship is that to build that trust that Alexi was talking about in the beginning, that if you're not honest and you kind of just sweep it under the rug, just like in any other relationship, it's not going to go over well. So I really do believe that being honest, being transparent, even if it's hard news to deliver is so much better than kind of sugarcoating it or just pretending like, oh yeah, I don't know. We'll find out when we get client feedback, you know, right. and pretending like you submitted it because I mean, you're going to get caught. Right. <laughs> 
But also, you know, like what's sometimes can get interesting is sometimes we work for like years on a project and the FDM and the perfumer would just get so attached to the mm. to the idea that sometimes you need kind of a third party to say, hey guys, you like, you know, like maybe you have too much emotion, you have too much attachment to this, to this nut, you know, so you need to do something else. So yeah. that's why also the teamwork is very important right. because obviously we usually work with just two, but sometimes there is like two or three perfumers or four perfumers working. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's two FDMs. Um, sometimes there's also just the sales kicking in and saying like, oh, you know, like let's, let's move somewhere else, you know? So it's just um, really the teamwork that's yeah. important. I love getting the account manager in you know, to, to smell and see their opinion. Cause they're, we're so in it, right. It's like so tunnel vision and we're so, we get really just wrapped up into it. So being able to have that kind of outside opinion, who's not every day smelling this fragrance mm-hmm. is very helpful. Interesting. Wow. Okay. The relationship is everything. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Okay. Let's move on yes. to, I was going to say the decade we're currently in, and then I just realized we're not in this decade. I was going to say the <laughs> 2010s, and it's 2022. Okay, we are now into the 2010s. We've seen the minimalism. We've seen the fresh. We've seen that sort of dewy floral come through. Take me through these next three fragrances that we're going to talk about in 2010 and what's going on. Yes, okay. So here, this is a time when those gourmand ambery fragrances are really taking off. So you see things like, well, Angel launched in the 90s, but it was really early for its time with that overdose of praline. Mm-hmm. And it really influenced all these new fragrances coming out during this decade to mm-hmm. really be what people were looking for. Mm-hmm. So more sweet, more sweet paired with floral, for example, sweet notes with fruity notes. It was kind of like go big or go home here. So what we're going to smell is we're going to smell kind of these examples that are a little bit more out of the box here. So we have one from Maison Margiela Replica, their line, which I adore, mm-hmm. which is Beach Walk to kind of give you this sense of nostalgia and how that works in perfumery. And then we will also smell from Yves Saint Laurent or as many of us know it, YSL, Black Opium, which is a little bit more in that gourmand world. Mm-hmm. But you'll see how it kind of takes a twist for the gourmand mm-hmm. lens. Okay. All right, so the first fragrance here that we're smelling is the Replica Beach Walk. So I just want to back up a little bit and just talk about the whole Replica line because I think it is, I was so excited when this line came out because it's all about nostalgia and the way they were speaking to fragrance was really this new way, you know, and it's very transportive why it's smelling right now and he's he's having a great reaction to it. I'm having like a, a <laughs> moment in the Ferminish office. I'm like, <laughs> And, you know, even on their packaging, talking about how everything's holistic, right? And those are kind of the most successful fragrances for us is Replica does an excellent job of that. So on their packaging, they have the location and the period of time they're trying to replicate. They also do a description of the fragrance. So for Beach Walk, it's sun-kissed salty skin. And if you look at the bottles, you know, they're even meant to look like these old apothecary jars. So they just really hit the nail on the head for finding a way to bring nostalgia to life. And then when you smell the fragrance too, you just go straight to the beach. I mean, you are walking on the beach. It is, says is, and is so transportive. And I'll, I'll let Alexi talk a little bit more about the notes and everything here. Um, yeah, the notes. I think what's very interesting is uh, you said the nostalgia, you know, it's a uh, literally like 30 Fahrenheit uh, degrees outside and uh, snowing or raining, I'm not sure, but like we're just transported to like on a beach somewhere, like a very exotic and uh, a nice place with sun and and sand, you know. But here we have 
what everybody knows, you know, like the sunscreen or the monoi. And the monoi, it's a blend of frangipani with uh, um, coconuts. And that seems like so easy to say, you know, but it's, it's actually very complex because first it's already like a blend, but people do like on these islands, you know, just blending the, the oil of the, of the flour with the coconut oil. And here, what I love, it just like, it just tr- like it just recreate a new type of wearing monoi for like everyday wear. Um, so monoi is the name of the accord. So the monoi it's the blend of frangipani with coconut. Um, frangipani is the flower, um, and it's kind of like orange flower. So here the notes is orange flower, and then you have the coconut, and you have like salty elements like wood and and and. Um, Marie uh, Salaman was the perfume who created that um, just reworked really around this nostalgia element of the sunscreen and the uh, and the well, no, which I think is very interesting because it really transports you um, to the beach. It's very transportive, I, and I love what you said about about the replica line. I mean, by the fireplace is another one where I smell it, and I'm like, oh, I am roasting s'mores at a fire. It's a very visceral mm-hmm. line, and I love that about it. Mm-hmm. Well, a question that I was going to ask, Alexi, um, as you were talking and I was just thinking about this, was just, is it a, I think this is a good segue to the next fragrance of Black Opium, is, is it a faux pas as a perfumer to ask another perfumer for their opinion? And in Black Opium, I know that that was a collaboration with multiple perfumers. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Um, yeah, no, I think it's always interesting you not know, to have another thought. Um, sometime you just believe where you're going with this fragrance so you don't you don't need to but sometimes you actually need so especially on this like very long project where you know um things evolve and you need the you need the so maybe four brands just to to make it happen you know and mm-hmm. uh, four noses uh, we could say as well but it's always interesting because fragrances can be very layered you know in a way you have a lot of facets and sometimes you have one perfumer that's very good at doing the pair or some perfumers that are very good at doing the craving coffee type of notes you know um some perfumer are really good with vanilla with wood and that's how you happen to have like four perfumers on the on the formula because everybody is very specific in what they're doing mm-hmm. and just it comes out at one piece just beautiful mm-hmm. so yeah tell me about black opium and the, the history behind that yeah. So, okay. So like I was saying before, you know, there's a lot of gourmand fragrances launching at this time. And what Black Opium did is taking this new like yumminess through coffee, that coffee note. What I love about this fragrance too, is the fact that, you know, you smell it on someone and you, if you know what it is, you know that they are wearing Black Opium. So exactly. it has this great signature that really resonates. And what I think is beautifully was done by Natalie Lourson, Marie Salaman, Honorine Blanc, and Olivier Cresp was this collaboration brought in the best of of each perfumer, right? And they were able to look at the gourmand world of fragrances and kind of add something in new by creating more of an orange flower piece in the mid. So it's not just like gourmand and fruity. I love that orange flower note in it. It balances it so beautifully. It's It makes it a little bit more elevated and a little bit more sophisticated while still having that fun piece with the coffee and that yumminess in the background. So, you know, for me, it just is ugh, to die for. I'm going to say something and I mean it as a, as a compliment because this is a, to me a good thing, but black opium feels like a sweet Play-Doh to me. Mm. Like I smell the mm. texture of Play-Doh and I like that. I don't mean it in an offensive way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think you touched something very interesting because it's, uh, you know, same thing like nostalgia, you know, like you love the smell of Madeleine or like the croissant and then right. you just go for that, you know, right. and here's same thing. 
and and you know as perfumers um today we work a lot on the on those gourmand sweet notes um and we explored a lot of like the praline and the vanilla and all that but now the next step was like okay what's the new type of craving you can have right. you know and coffee is one of them and For i sure. think it just I love and, coffee um, and fragrances. The mm-hmm. the way you know they blended it, um, all the the team perfumer with the woods, with the patchouli, with the orange flower, with the jasmine, with the pear, it just makes it so beautiful and wearable. Mm-hmm. So we have one more fragrance in this decade, and it's one you guys are all going to be very excited about. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be Glossier U. So Glossier U came out in 2017, so just a couple years ago, and this is a fragrance by Dora Bagrich, who. She had this initial idea and this accord, and it really, you know, got the attention of Emily Weiss and Glossier. And then at the end, she brought in Frank Vogel, who's here in the New York office. So, you know, Glossier is obviously something that's been talked about the past couple of years. It really was this brand that was bringing disruption into the beauty industry and was about this DTC, direct-to-consumer boom. And you know, also that kind of period where we're still in a little bit with these more um, indie brands that are coming to the map where the CEO and the founder story is so important and they're a huge part of the brand. So also because they were DTC, they really had to find a new way to talk about fragrance, but online that would get people's attention and get them excited. So I really appreciated how they kind of went from this idea of like sex sells, you know, like if you wear this fragrance, you're going to be so hot. Everybody's going to want you Mm -hmm. to this idea of more of this, you know, personal caring piece of, you know, it's about you. You're the secret ingredient in the fragrance and how it comes alive on you. And I just think that's such a beautiful way to storytell and Mm -hmm. really get us out of the that typical fragrance sex sells advertising. Right. So. This fragrance was also, you know, it's not like your typical tested fragrance. So you don't smell like it being super sweet or super fruity or anything. So they really took a risk to be able to have this new signature. And again, it kind of goes to show that gut instinct feeling like sometimes you just know when there's a new signature happening. And Mm -hmm. I mean, we all live in New York. I smell this fragrance everywhere now. And it has that incredible sillage, that trail, like you recognize it right away. Mm -hmm. Um, and it also still won a Fragrance Foundation Award for Consumer's Choice. So even if not, you're not the best-selling, best-tested right. fragrance in you know America, people still resonate with right. these types of notes and these risks that brands can take, which is exciting. But I'll let Alexi talk a little bit about you know like the idea of sillage and construction and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, um, late in the last past few years, you know, what's really interesting is the few fragrances have evolved to like a more simple way, I would say, uh, simple signature, but it's very much um, zoomed on the sillage, you know, like, of course you have a top, of course you have a hook and everything, but what you smell at like 30 seconds is mostly be the same at like five hours. And that's that's kind of a new way of creating, I would say. And Glossier is, Glossier U is one of them. Um, I think we can kind of talk of this, about this like skinification of the fragrance, you know, because it's really like, yeah, in a way, you know, it's like, it's like skin fragrances. You wear right. them, it's of such course, a big for, thing right now. yeah, for like everybody around you, but it's also for you, you know, it's like kind of this like clean smell, but very musky, woody, mm-hmm. um, but still bringing a new signature, but it's very cocooning, you know? Right. And luckily enough, we are at Firmenich and we have like beautiful musk, like Firmenich is well known for a lot of like raw materials and everything, but I think if we have to uh, say one of them um, is mostly musk. We have a palette of musk, but just incredible. Um, and here they can be showcased in Glossy U with this like 
on bread top of note and like different mask, creamy mask, mm-hmm. uh, velvety skin mask. And yeah, the, the mask are really interesting, especially for this type of fragrances because we develop a fragrance to smell like 30 seconds very nice, but also at five hours. Like the five hours is a, like actually where we spend a lot of time like creating and, you know, like really deep diving into the the, the soul of the fragrance. And musk really are the most substantive uh, raw materials we have in the palette. And they help us to shape the signature in the back after five hours, which is not easy. Right, <laughs> right. Um, and so we have like, as I say, like, you know, fruity musk, woody musk, skin musk, velvety musk, so many different types that just help us create this trail, sillage in the air. Mm-hmm. Sillage means trail. Sillage is just the French word for trail. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're wearing a fragrance, someone might smell you a block or two behind you. And that's right. what the sillage is. It's that invisible trail of fragrance. It's the thing that makes a stranger ask you what you're wearing, right? Exactly. So, okay. Now we have our last fragrance, which is a special edition. And I'm so happy. <laughs> All right, 2021. We are, we are in <laughs> New this decade. decade. Yes. Is it from 2021? Yeah. yeah. Oh, exciting. Okay, so, I'm, I'm passing the mic to Alexi. Yes. Take it away. Um, yeah, so that's a Polo Sport Fresh uh, that I created with uh, Honorine Blonde, my mentor, mm-hmm. um, and also perfumer in, uh, in New York City. And here we want to talk about something very interesting. It's an exercise that we do um, quite a lot, actually. Um, so we had all these like beautiful fragrances, like icons, you know, and sometimes you have to what we call flanker them. Um, so it's create a new edition. So you can do this in a different ways, either just, you know, a little twist and you just add a little hook or you just change a little bit of something in the formula and just make a new seasonal uh, version, I would say. So for Valentine's Day, for holiday, for summer, for whatever kind of season emotion they want to, to reveal. And then you have also this new flanker that kind of also are some kind of a pillar, you know, they're a bigger flanker that will stay on the market later. Mm-hmm. And um, Polo Sport Fresh is one of them. So it's interesting because you have to um, respect their heritage of the fragrance. Um, so you ha- sometimes you don't have to say in a stem um, olfactive family, but the feeling has to be pretty much the same. So Polospor has this like minty and fougere and woods and um, very aromatic uh, signature. But Polospor Fresh was just like to reinvent that and being even more fresh, much more woody though. Um, but still, you know, we had to keep the, the fresh aromatic elements and the, and the fougere. And here we worked with Honorino to, around this um, frozen wood type of nut, so like cold wood, uh, but still being fresh. So we use the the mint and the lavender and the sage, you know, just to be really fresh with the citrus um, and then work with this wood, um, like cedar wood and a little bit of patchouli and vetiver and all, all this kind of stuff, but trying to always maintain this uh, freshness and this clean effect through the, through the fragrance. And I actually love wearing this fragrance because for me, every time I just put it on, I smell fresh for the, for the whole day and still making it, still smelling like, unique and very uh, sexy with the with the woods in the back. Do you ever get compliments when you're wearing it? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, you know, while developing it, obviously I had to wear it. And um, I was with some friends and they were like, what are you wearing right now? Like, that's nice. I'm like, I can't tell you. I cannot give you a sample, but, you know, maybe one day you will. <laughs> but I did and, make it. <laughs> yeah, I did make it. Um, and, and it's funny because, yeah, it's uh, always about this, like, hmm, that smells like, classical in a way but like very new and modern and what was that you know and and i think that's exactly what was what we are trying to achieve is to um revamp a classic signature 
Great. Well, we have Polo Sport and Polo Sport Fresh, so we're going to smell them. This is a fun exercise because we're smelling the original versus what that flankered new modern take on Polo Sport is. So you see, like, it's a new signature, but somehow you still find the same kind of feeling, you know, in a way. Right. Um, a little yeah. less minty. A little bit less minty and more uh, woody. Um, but, I mean, not to talk only about the fragrance. And it is a very interesting uh, exercise because we do this quite a lot today. Um, you know, like, the opportunity to, to create new pillars, um, they're not limited. Like, we have opportunities, you know, but, like, a little bit less than before because the, the market is so fragmented. So this type of um, opportunities are very interesting because we are creating a new signature, but within the same, like, brand or, like, you know, the same uh, name. Yeah, it's also, it must be interesting too, Alexi, because you were talking about how so often you make fragrances for which you're not the consumer. Mm -hmm. And in this instance, it is one that you would wear and do yeah. wear. Mm -hmm. So uh, was that process a little bit different because you're kind of channeling your own tastes? I think so, you know. Yeah, I think uh, there is like, I love vetiver. There is vetiver in this fragrance, mm -hmm. you know. And I think also like um, Honorine was, you know, really trying to um, achieve this like freshness and everything. And, you know, we respect that because that's what she loves and she do and you know and so there's both of us in this fragrance which is you know i think very interesting um and yeah i was a little bit biased because you know i love this type of notes and yeah, obviously beautiful. you know i just had such pleasure to 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 work on it and as you say you know when i wear it it just brings me to this nostalgia of like the time i was creating and i also wore like smelled it once in, on someone, you know, I was like, oh, do you wear that? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And it just, you know, brings you back. It's like, oh my God, someone is wearing it. And like, it's kind of like, I didn't create it for myself, obviously, but there's part of me. So right. you're kind of wearing part of me right now. Yeah. <laughs> Creepy and amazing at yeah, the same time. Exactly. Wow. Well, you guys, this has been, I mean, I feel like I could talk to you guys for like five more hours, although why it would kill me. Um, <laughs> But this has been so just enlightening and fun. And we do have one final segment of the show. It's rapid fire scent association. Mm, what's that smell? I'll just name different people, places, things, emotions. And you just tell me the first. You can either say a fragrance, a note, whatever that comes to mind. Are you ready to play? What's that smell? I'm ready, but scared, but I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> what is the smell of New York City, New York City? Santal 33 and garbage. <laughs> Mixed together? Yes. Okay. I think the smell of bacon in the morning. Mm, okay. Very different. Very different. What is the smell of uh, the south of France? Lavender fields. Orange flower. What is the smell of Paris? Paris. Ah, oh, croissant, butter, bread. Um, you stole my line, so <laughs> 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 trying to think about it anymore. Um, smell of Paris... I think it's the luxury fragrances that all the women wear in the streets. Mm -hmm. What is the smell of both of your childhood homes? Ooh, I wouldn't say I go straight more to um, my family's lake house, which has been in our family forever. And it's mothballs and wood. And I love, I love it. that smell. I lo love it. I don't want to smell like mothballs, but I enjoy smelling mothballs. It's yes. kind of like gasoline for me. Like yeah. I don't want to smell like it, but. Right. It's embedded in like the walls, I feel like. Oh my you know? God, I love that. And the forest. I grew up like around with uh, forest around me. So definitely the, the like yummy type of smell and woody smell. I love it. Mm. What what is the smell of your current homes? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would usually say 
my fiance's cooking or whatever candle I want to be burning at that moment. Okay. And yeah, same thing, the, um, yesterday's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> yesterday's cooking. Okay. What is the smell of happiness? Oof, this is a hard one. I would really say, you know, like there's times when I'm developing fragrances with the perfumers and the fragrances that make me just be like light up and be happy are really those fruity fragrances with a nice floral seed. That's that like kind of dewy green, kind of like in that daisy world, but mm -hmm. even, even more fruity, more of that rainbow kaleidoscopic type of fruits. And for me, I think it's linked to one of my favorite uh, flower, which is uh, mimosa. Because, I don't know, it's yellow. You put your nose in there. It's just like magical. Yeah, mimosa. A little forecasting. If you had to say what, this, what the it smell of 2022 is going to be, what is the smell of 2022 in, in the fragrance world? It's in the making. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm like, oh gosh, that we like, can't talk about yet. what's coming out but that yeah. we can actually maybe reference. Um, it could just be a trend. I mean, you know. Right. I mean, honestly, I would say it's, it was kind of 2021 as well, but Baccarat Rouge... I mean, that like burnt sugar sort of. So you smell it everywhere. You yeah. know, for me, you know, when you smell, say, what's the smell of New York City? For, I go to Santal 33, but now it's starting to become Baccarat Rouge. I was hoping to finally have one episode of this podcast where we didn't mention it. And <laughs> okay, we cut it out. It. Cut it out. <laughs> no, I'm going to keep it. <laughs> Gourmand notes for men. Gourmand notes for men. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What would you say is the smell that Furmanish is most known for? I, I mean, I go directly to our musks, to be honest. That's kind of, that's my first one. Unless I have to do a specific fragrance, which then I would probably say CK1, honestly. Yeah, same thing. I think musk um, and the fragrance, I think it would be daisy. Mm. Daisy. Okay. And the final question that I'm going to ask each of you separately. What is the smell of Seglin? Glossy AU. <laughs> okay. And what is the smell of Alexi? A classy vetiver. Wow. Beautiful. You guys, thank you so much for doing this podcast. I feel like we're really getting a great inside look on what goes on at a major perfume house and what you guys do every single day. And as a fragrance consumer and lover, thank you for what you do. Well, thank you for having us on the pod. This has been months in the making and it's awesome to be able to be in person too. And thanks for schlepping to the Furmanish offices. My distinct pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm really happy that um, it is a very secret world and I think you're very, very lucky to enter it. And I'm so happy that you saw that what is in the making, the energy and like, you know, what also who we are because, you know, we are creatives and we're not considered as artists, you know, but I think you can see um, what's going on behind the doors and uh, hopefully you like the magic. I love the magic. Perfumer was edited by Wyatt Peak. Music is by Max Vernon and illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez. 